Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. So I'm having a day where uh, I, I was able to unglue myself from the television, kind of avoid the existential dread of the world. And uh, so one of the things that I've been doing to go out in the world is I started a, a litter cleanup crew where we go out into the forest and we pick up a bunch of litter and we take it down to the dump. And it's a good way to be out and about. But inevitably, when I'm hanging out with my crew, they, they ask me what I do for a living. And for many, many years, that the answer to that was always something very exciting. It was like, oh, I work for Fleetwood Mac or I work for Nicki Minaj. And lately, when people ask me what I do, like I, I don't know how to answer that because like currently, I, I don't do much. I, I have a podcast and I'm designing relations for Ayrton Lighting. And that's uh, that keeps me happy and we're all very well taken care of and there's lots of exciting things happening in the world. But at the moment, our entire industry is kind of on pause in a way. It's kind of a hard reset as we like to call it. So when people ask me what I do, I don't really know how to answer that because there's really no, I don't really want to answer any follow-up questions. So today I thought I would reach out to somebody who has as much insight on this as, as any of us. So, but uh, I think he has a, a little special insight. So I, I hope you'll welcome Eric Cathcart with me. He is a lighting designer at Big Time Lighting Design out of Kansas City. And he shares that with me. Normally, he gets to answer that question with a, a very resounding name of a band that he works for. And that's usually very exciting. But currently, him and I both don't really know how to answer that question. So... Thank you so much for joining me today, Eric. I hope you can explore this with me today. Yeah, looking forward to it. So normally, well, let's start it off. Let's say you're at a cocktail party with your family and somebody who hasn't met you, they're like, hello, Eric, my name is Tom. What do you do, Eric? How do you, how do you usually respond to that? You know, I just, I, I do concert lighting is my go-to answer to that. And then mm -hmm. kind of, Hoping that they don't really, they'll either go, hmm, or they'll ask me a thousand questions. I kind of always, I hope for the, hmm. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to hope for the, like, please don't know what that is. Please don't know what that is. Because the follow-up questions can take so many different paths. Yeah, exactly. So what's the, what's the most in depth somebody's ever gone into after you've answered that question it yeah it's just it, it always gets straight down to the uh america's love for celebrity it, you know they 
don't really understand what I do, but they always want to know who I hang out with and who's my favorite and do I make a lot of money and all those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, they, they can become very, uh, they've been, they can uh, become super fan very quick. Yeah. Especially when you say something like one of the bands that you work for, like Garbage or Black Keys or something, I would imagine that all of a sudden you can just see their li- their their eyes go from meh to oh yeah yeah and then my favorite is or like it's somebody like garbage or the black keys who you just assume everybody knows then i go i'm not familiar with them i haven't heard of them and then you're like oh well then never mind <laughs> that's kind you know? of a welcome response right you're like oh thank yeah. god yeah exactly I'm like, yeah you know you'd probably know them if you heard them on the radio but uh yeah what do you do <laughs> just uh, put the tennis ball back in their court. Like yeah. I, yeah. please tell me about your job at the as a certified attorney or something. I I have so many more questions for you. Right, right, exactly. Uh, because every once in a while, and I'm sure you've had this happen once or twice, where people are just like, oh man, you work for Billy Idol. Please tell me everything about Billy Idol. Please tell me where he was born. Please tell me and you're like. I don't know any of that stuff. I just know where the, the choruses are, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, the people, the ones it seems like anybody would ask me about are the ones where I really have zero relationship with the artist, and it's, you know, I know where the, the goes are. It, <laughs> that, that's it. You know, I know which song is red. And then I actually have to be looking at the set list to know which song is red. Cause I still to this day, can't remember the names of songs. <laughs> I, I know that my bus code is three has a three in it. I, I, beyond that, I don't know that much about them, their yeah. personal lives, you know? Exactly. But inevitably, the question is going to come up like, oh, well, how often do you get to hang out with them? Or, or, you know, what happens backstage? Yeah. Yeah, that, that does. You know, and it's, you know, it's always, it always varies. And I tell them that. I'm like, well... This band, I'm these, you know, these guys, I'm really close to. These people, not so much. These people don't even know my name. <laughs> and uh, and I'd like to keep it that way. Yeah, exactly. Most of the time, I really don't want them to know my name. No, it... I want the production manager to know my name. I want the stage manager to know my name. Beyond that, like when the artists don't know my name. Uh, like when I was working with Don Henley, I wanted to make sure that he didn't know my name as long as possible. Right. And when I, somebody, I, inter- somebody introduced me. I was like, yeah, I'm just, I just try to keep my head down, stare at the ground. Like, I don't, please don't no waves here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It sounds like you've done a pretty good job of distancing yourself from attaching the band name to yourself. I try to, but then, you know, a lot of people know me as the, as one of the black keys guys. Cause I've, you know, been with them for, it's kind of weird thinking that I've been with them for quite a while, but you know, you, you, you just get those kind of labels industry wide, but then outside of the industry, people, you know, don't know you that way. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I would imagine that you have to update your responses to that question based on who you're working with at the time. Yeah. Do you, are you in your circles outside of our industry? Are you known as Eric, the guy who works for black keys? 
Boy, outside of our circle, I'm known as dad. And that's really about it. <laughs> there's not too many people outside of my, I'm, as I'm figuring out, actually, there's, you know, now that we've been home for nine months, I'm, you know, there's a few people I wish that I was, because I've never had the chance to hang out with them because I'm living in my hometown now. And, uh, but there's, it's, I just haven't been able to still. So it's, it's my, my immediate family and that's it. Wow. Uh, I'm with you on that one. I realized during this pandemic that I don't have any, I don't have many friends outside of our industry. Uh-uh. Well, it's tough. I mean, you, you don't see anybody for months on end. And then, you know, you're back. Hey, let's, let's go for dinner. Well, you know, they're just as busy with their lives and their kids as you are. And then, and for me, when I get home, I don't want to socialize too much. I I want to be home when I'm home. Mm -hmm. All right. You've got a full house, plenty of, uh, plenty of smiling faces to hang out with there. Yeah, try to keep them smiling anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm also realizing that over over 40 it's a lot harder to make friends. Yeah. Than when we were in high school and even college yeah. where you know, the way you make a friend is like, "Hey, so there's a party, I like to drink, you like to drink. Let's go do that together." Yeah. My wife, our, our neighborhood around Christmas time will put out these luminaries. They line the, all the streets with these uh, white bags that have tea candles in them. And it looks really gorgeous. And uh, so my wife went out to help set those up. And I can't remember whatever reason I didn't, I didn't go. I think I was just exhausted for something else I had done. And so she went, she came home with this giant, smile on her face she's like there's a new person in the neighborhood and as soon as this is over we're gonna hang out with her and her husband and they just moved in and she does this and he does that and and, and they were really nice and you know everybody it was like wow new people in our neighborhood let's let's see if we can make friends again oh how exciting how yeah. exciting yeah it's- and my my job usually comes up at school things at school functions those are about all i go to that aren't you know the immediate family uh, inevitably it's going to be like oh, that's eric he might know how to set up a pa for a school yeah. for a school uh function like uh, no no I, yeah I well you know i can figure it out a couple years ago my oldest was in a high school musical and i actually was home during like the last week of rehearsals and performance and i was excited to go in and help the kids nice yeah it, it was good it was it, you know she went to my my the same high school that i went to so i went back into the theater department my name is still spray painted on the wall and all that fun stuff that i did when i was in school and it was nice to be able to give back good for you yeah. It's a great way to spend your downtime doing more yeah. theater. Doing more theater, exactly. <laughs> it was a lot of, hey, can you fix this? Yeah, yeah, I can fix that. So, so when, yeah. 
when you are out on the road, do you usually find that the artist that you work for kind of dominates the vibe or the feeling of the whole tour? Yes, both negatively and positively. I mean, it depends on, I've worked with artists that were just a train wreck and nobody wanted to be around them and everybody's in a bad mood. And I've worked with artists where just complete delights to be around and they knew everybody's name and everybody was having a good time, you know? So yeah, they can absolutely. I think that even comes through in emails when like the PM advances a show I feel like that, even the tone of those emails make it to the load in. Uh, yeah. Just know as, soon as, you, as soon as the bus doors open, you know that it's going to be a good day or a bad day. Yeah. Based on how the advancement went. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you find that that goes top down or bottom up? Do you think that the, the, the attitude of the crew can influence the production and all the way up to the artist? Or do you think it, generally goes the other way i think it generally goes the other way because i think that people lower on the crew uh, and you know even myself if, if i'm not vibing well with the with the artist that i i'm in i'm in invisible invisible mode you know it's like i just i come in do what i need to do make sure everything's the best that i could possibly do and lay low and i think that you know, crew, you know, everybody else on the crew is kind of the same way. So if, if it is miserable, it's coming from the top down, because I think that if it were, if the, you know, if were, the top were great, then the people at the bottom would, would also be able to shine themselves. I agree. I think that's a, I feel like there's some influence that goes bottom up, but I, I feel like the overwhelming vibe comes top down yeah you know every now and again you'll have a bad apple um, that'll kind of take everybody's good vibes down mm -hmm. yeah or at least you know department wise you know there'll be one one jackass on the lighting crew that just makes everybody else on the lighting crew miserable or something you know something like that Usually that's me probably, but <laughs> ah, there's that Eric. He's going to be in the, he's going to take my bunk again. I'll tell you what though, the, I, I was getting burned out when this happened. It was like, Oh my God, it looks like I'm going to have six weeks off. This is going to be amazing. I need, I've been asking for a month off for years, just, you know, a month off. Let me reset, hang out with my family and get back to it. And I got to tell you this nine months, 10 months, it's going to be over a year before we're back at it in full. I have got such a renewed sense of love for what I do. I am going to have bells on and a smile on my face, no matter what comes at me. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've never wanted to put on some gloves and push a case or hump some yeah. four out in my life. Absolutely. I've, I've called people like, you know, vendors that I use and like, I don't know what I've got on my horizon, but I will be the first person in line to, to bolt trust together for you, please. Mm -hmm. You know, just to hear the sound of gaff tape yeah. coming off the roll. That's all I need. Just 
that uh, that's yeah. uh, I miss even the little things. You know, I've got a new appreciation for the audience. I can't, you know, and, instead of just grumbling through out to front of house, it's like, hey, how you doing? Thanks for coming out. You know. Yeah, this whole thing was far more palatable when we thought it was going to be two weeks to flatten the curve or even a month or two months, but nine months is too much, man. This is, yeah. we're not designed for this. No, no. So what have you had to do to, uh, to kind of maintain your sanity? Well, I had a list of things that I've been wanting to do. I wanted to get a whole bunch of, uh, of program programming templates done. I wanted to rebuild my website. I was going to, I was going to record a record, get back behind my drums and play some guitar. I haven't done any of that. <laughs> I got, a, I got a, a console sitting directly to my left that I, I think I turned on to make it look pretty for the video <laughs> that nobody else is going to see. <laughs> it is a gorgeous ma3 back there <laughs> uh yeah yeah at some point i realized wait a second i've got an ma3 sitting there i should put it on my desk in my office and that's and then i didn't turn it on for several months i had one one person i do um uh, that they're out they have a time-coded show they've only got six park hands there's six led parts and they've got a ma3 to command wing and I've, I've got it all set up on time code for them and they were doing a webcast and added three songs to their set list so i got to i was able to program three more songs and that is it that i've done professionally nice but uh, yeah but uh i have built a really nice deck in my backyard i've dug a pond i have fish in my pond never thought i would have something like that you know hang out with the kids all that good stuff. Yeah. Those are the things yeah. that are when, it, when it really comes down to, we find out what our priorities are. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And then, then of course, the kids uh, is, yeah. Hanging out with the kids is priceless. Yeah, there, there's been no shortage of that. I, I love my yeah. kids, man, but being stuck in the house with them for yeah nine months is it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I love them dearly. And uh, I, I treasure all these moments. Yeah. And as a uh, combination of needing to get out of the house and running out of money, um, I, I picked up a gig at uh, Lowe's, something I've been threatening to do on every break in between Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day when I'm not doing anything for years. Yeah. How, how's that? It's interesting. It's interesting to, to meet and, and this is probably one of the reasons I'm going to have such a new appreciation for the fans at shows working with the people that are making, you know, just over minimum wage and surviving on part-time work and multiple jobs and, you know, all that stuff. It really, it's interesting. It's like, wow, how do you do it? Yeah. I, uh, the few people I've talked to that have fully pivoted have kind of made a comment like, wow, outside of the entertainment industry, I make in a day what I used to make in per diem. And yeah. that's a very real, that's, that's real life right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely puts it all into perspective. 
it uh, it reminds me of what people are doing to get that three hundred dollars to go see a concert, and why yeah. the twenty dollar tickets are so popular, and why the the seven hundred dollar tickets are kind of frowned upon. Yeah. Well, and I've been saying that for years is I don't understand how people, I don't, I couldn't afford to go to a festival for a weekend on my touring salary to be able to take that kind of time off, take my, you know, fly down there, get a room, you know, all that's. And and it's like, wow, this is, I can't imagine doing it on a normal person's salary. Mm -hmm. It it really is a, a once in a lifetime experience. For, yeah. for for the vast majority of people. Yeah. And even in North America, which is one of the the, the richer countries to go mm-hmm. to South America or even uh, around the world and see just how many people are lose their minds to be at a concert and yeah. knowing what they what they had to go through to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially when I think of something like the Black Key going overseas to even South America. And they're like, well, if I don't get to see the black keys today, I may never get to see them. So whatever it takes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I'm going to, I have a new appreciation almost back to when I was a kid, when I got into this because I love music, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just, it, it, and I've gotten to the point where I don't, I hate myself for it, but I don't listen to music like I used to. I'm almost listening to music when I'm programming, when I'm, you know, when I go to start working for an artist, I'll, you know, I'll learn their catalog. And, you know, it's, it's gone from listening to music to learning the songs. Right. And I had about a, you know, right after the election was called, I finally, I turned off all news radio. I, cause I just got sucked into it for the last four years, just heavy listening to news radio and just screaming at my, whatever device I'm listening to it on. <laughs> and I shut it, shut it all off and started listening to music again. And was like, Oh my God, I love this stuff. This is the, this is good stuff. You know, I should listen to music more. And now I'm back to listening to the news too much. It happens. It's a cycle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm. I was music when I got started in this. You know, just everything about me was I because of the music. Because mm-hmm. I realized I can't play drums worth a damn, but I can count to four i'm good at keeping time i'm just not good at playing the drums so lighting just kind of is like oh wait this is i can do this i'm not gonna be able to pay my bills playing drums (laughs) but i can push boxes and pull a rope and then push push buttons would you say it was your love for music or your affinity for the roadie lifestyle and the travel that brought you away that's it that's a tough call because I saw a couple of documentaries that had people on the road when I was in high school. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. That is so cool. I got to do, figure out how to do that. You know, mm-hmm. because, and because of the fact that I was so into music at the same time, 
that's it was just you know wait this is this has got to happen okay so it was like 50 50 both both were appealing to you yeah yeah when you got into the industry did you find that the documentaries were accurate or were they exaggerated a little of both i've you know you know do you think people still think that we are the the roadies of the 1980s and and early you know, 90s? I, it, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, like in the back to our earlier discussion about the the people that you meet that are talking to you, I think they have visions of, oh my god, his life is crazy. <laughs> I wonder how many TVs he's thrown out of a hotel window. Right. Right. Exactly. You know <laughs> when my. My wife and I first got married. She was convinced that uh, I was just having affairs nonstop because why wouldn't I be? Yeah. You have a backstage pass. That's what those are for. Exactly. Yeah. I, I you know, here I am staying at home with the kids and uh, Eric's out debauch- in a world of debauchery, womanizing and gallivanting around. Yeah. Yep. Just, just, just drunk 24 seven. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine anybody has that feeling when you're at Lowe's. You're like, ah, oh, I wonder, I wonder which uh, which uh, stock shelf stalker he's sleeping with now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you have to explain to uh, any number of people? They're like, no, it's it's not like that anymore. I, I, I promise you, it's just a bunch of roadies sitting on their phones and. Well, I remember. When my wife, my wife came out to a show right after we got married and she found out exactly how boring it is for me. (laughs) She's like, this sucks. I'm never coming to another show again. All I do is sit around and wait for you to get done pushing. I'm like, yeah, it's boring. So uh, she spreads the word. Whenever somebody gets excited about what I do, she's like, oh, it's boring. Don't think it's that fun. (laughs) That is the best then, way to learn what we do is to see it firsthand. Yeah. And then what was it? Was it Sprint had that, somebody had that ad campaign, you know, if, if roadies ruled the world. Nextel. Was it Nextel? I think so. Yeah. And she saw that and she's like, oh my God, it's so true. Cause she's amazed at how, how we, nobody really gives us motivation to show up on time, no matter what we were doing the night before yet it's you know we're nobody calls in sick nobody you know takes a you know a personal day you you just go in and do it and you know she realized that and then she started you know preaching to everybody oh my god you would not believe what these people do yeah uh on one hand we really want the audience to think it's just magic and it just shows up but yeah. at the other time, when it comes time to get our paycheck, we need everybody to know, like, no, this is hard work. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I did a gig one. I had a gig once where I left. I think I left because the keys started back up. So, you know, it was no, no reason. But I talked to the production manager after, you know, a while afterwards. And he's like, how did you do it? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like. It looked like everybody thought that you didn't do a damn thing all day long. Mm-hmm. But yet the guy that took over for you cannot get the show done in a day to save his life. 
I'm like, I don't know. You just have to. Yeah. Hallelujah to that one. Yeah. That is that is the sign of a professional is when it looks like you're doing nothing. Yeah. It's effortless. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Eric does on the tour, but I, I he's never been called into the office, so he must be doing whatever <laughs> it is that he does. Right. Yeah. Uh Man, that's a tough one to explain to people. So let's let's say you're at Lowe's and somebody asks you what you do. How how specific do you need to be if, if somebody asks you nowadays? Do you do you explain the whole thing or do you just kind of try to not? I'll get into it if somebody wants to, but I you know I find that people kind of lose interest real quick, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. You know, it's usually who's your favorite band? You know. You know, I went to an Aerosmith concert once. Oh, cool. That's that's neat. I'm glad you, you know, like, you know, I'm not a fan of music. Oh, okay. That's weird. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's what your thing is. So, yeah, you know, it, you know, but uh, I do enjoy getting into if somebody will listen, I'll talk their ear off about it because, you know, <laughs> that's all I know, you know, is touring and, you know what we do you know all right so here, here's another one when it comes time to specificity so sometimes my mom will introduce me as the lighting designer for fleetwood mac even though i know i was just the lighting director and then people will ask me oh are you the lighting designer for fleetwood mac i'm like and i don't know if i need to get in and correct them yeah yeah Does i've that had that from- one I, well, you know, in a same, it's almost the exact same boat when I was uh, the lighting director for Van Halen, same designer, you know, it's like, oh, you do lights for, you came, you did lights for Van Halen. Well, y- yes. I mean, I, I did the lights. I was physically doing the lights for, but it wasn't my, you know, and I don't think people really understand the difference that I think it, that all they know is you're standing there making the lights work. Right. They don't really care that. In fact, I don't think they don't care about the design part of it at all, you know? Right. But like if I tell somebody, oh, yeah, I designed that show, but I'm not touring with it, it means nothing to them. It's totally less cool to them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, but in our circles, it's, it's completely yeah. the opposite. Right. <laughs> so I, I never know if I need to be more specific. I'm like, look, please don't tell anybody in my circle that I told you that I'm the lighting designer. Exactly. Because I'm not, because to them, it'll be a big deal, but to you, sure. I'm the lighting designer. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the lighting guy. I never know how to go with that. And I have to like, kind of like judge them. I'm like, do you know anybody in my circle? If we're ever at a, at a function, are you going to tell anybody that I told you that I'm the lighting designer or are they going to, think that I'm trying to build up my resume to you or, and I, I hope people will get it. That, you know, people outside of our industry don't, they don't know or that they don't care slash. I don't care enough to explain the intricate details to them. I would hate for anybody to come back. Like, oh, this is Chris. He's the production designer. I'm like, Oh fuck. <laughs> I'm definitely not the production designer. 
he told me he designed the whole show for blah blah blah. No, no, I, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't design anything. I you, pushed some buttons. The truth is, you called me the AV guy, and I had to explain to you that I'm not the AV guy. I'm the lighting director. <laughs> yeah. You do sound for those bands? No, I don't do sound. I do this and this, and then it turns into oh, you, you, yeah, you're the designer. Oh, you're the tour manager. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah, I make it all happen. Please don't spread that. You know, that's that's a tough one. Or they'll know that you advance the shows or something, and that you'll you'll be the point of contact. And the next thing you know, they're like, oh, he's he's uh, he's the artist manager for Pink. You're like, what? That is not. I you you've you've ruined me. I can't help yeah, you anymore. Exactly. They'll uh, ask me a band that I've never worked for, and then all of a sudden tell everybody that that's who I work for. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, I don't. I know somebody that works for that band, so please don't go around saying that because I don't. Like, just like you said, I don't want that getting around. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the toughest one, and this is inevitable, is the 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 ticket requests that come shortly oh, after. Man, I hate the. I hate guest lists. I hate dealing with guest lists. It's an ordeal every single time. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind, I'm less gun shy on the tours that have it all through master tour where you don't have to, you can just go in and put the ticket request in master tour and not mm-hmm. see or talk to anybody or ask anybody. And then it gets, it gets approved or not. And then I can send the confirmation to somebody or not and say, Sorry, you couldn't get tickets. Here's your confirmation that says no tickets available. But yeah, I just, uh, I hate, there's, you know, there's a few people that I always invite to certain shows, Mm -hmm. but I cannot stand it (laughs) when people, or I've got, you know, some relatives that will go out of their way to purchase tickets. And I'm like, dude, I could have gotten you tickets. Why'd you do that? Well, no, I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, well, that's who I want to give tickets to. How paradoxical is that? Yeah, right. The ones that are were the ones that are willing to buy tickets are the ones that I want to ha- to give the pleasure of getting free tickets to. Yes, exactly. And then you have children. Your own, my daughter, when she was about fifteen, started the. Can you give me tickets to blah blah blah? Um, I don't know. My, my, my standard answer to her became, if you really want to go buy your tickets, because I won't know until 24 hours before if I can even get them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So on Fleetwood Mac, one of my favorite human beings was Ian Jarvis. He was our security guard, our security coordinator. And he was the one I had to go to, to get passes and 90% of the time it was a slam dunk. Like, yeah, Chris, you're the lighting director. You, you're, you're, your position deserves enough respect that I will give you tickets. But every single time it was this dance that we would do of a dance of respect, basically like, okay, yeah. you're, you're the lighting director. I'm the security coordinator. You have to come to me and you have to ask me politely and, and I'm going to give you shit every single time. 
And it's not because he was trying to keep me from getting tickets. It was just because he didn't want to make it an easy path to get steamrolled because his position also deserves that much respect. It's his job to make sure that his client is safe and that nobody has easy access to his client. And every single day it was like, I come in and we do the thing and like, how's your day? And we have a little discussion. We have, you know, just a small talk session. And then he's like, okay, just ask. Cause he knew like, yeah, I love him to death, but I I didn't, I don't come, I don't take time out of my day, out of my work day to go hang out with him. But it was just that dance. And every time somebody asked me for tickets, it's like, am I willing to go do the Jarvis dance for them? And that, that's that ritual, that ceremony is what that was my barrier yeah. to take a request. Yeah, absolutely. I just hate, you know, and, and then it's, and then I feel like it's, it's basically going to the artist saying, I need some of your money, but don't ask me to give you, to ask you for less money for me you know it's like i'm asking for you to comp something but don't ask me to comp something you know please don't ask to come to my job yeah Yeah. yeah, i how stupid would it be for me to show up at lowe's and like hey eric can i get a can i get a makita yeah right one makita your boss isn't gonna know oh my god that's my thing with set lists can I have a set list? No, it's just a piece of, no, no. Well, it's just a piece of paper. Well, if it's just a piece of paper, then why do you care? You know, can I have a set list? No, I don't go to your office and ask for random pieces of paper sitting on your desk. <laughs> you know, or I'll ask that. Can I have some paper clips? No, I just, just you... I, I, yeah. Hey, can I get your lunch receipt? <laughs> why do you want my lunch receipt? You know, for memento. Yeah, you have to, if people ask politely, I'm more inclined to give them to them. But boy, if it's a demand, no way. And people are demanding of them. It's unreal. It's absolutely unreal how pissed off people are that you won't give them a set list. If they call me. And mine are always chock full of notes too. And it's always like, look, I need this tomorrow. You. you, Mm You know, this isn't scratch stuff that you can put on your wall. This is, I need this. Well, come on, you got more. No, I don't. Yeah. Setlist.fm, everybody. Setlist.fm. I, just go. I, that's, I say that all the time. I say, yeah, just go to setlist.fm. You can print out any set list you want. You were at Woodstock 1969. You, there you go. There's <laughs> your set list. Yep. Yeah. It's a tough one because there's so much mutual respect and and apathy at the same time when it comes to set list requests and ticket requests. You're like, man, I do not care about you enough to try and help you out in that way. Yeah. People don't understand the, the lengths that you and I have to go to for that stuff. They don't. They don't want to know, even though they do know if somebody went to their uh herbal fitter and you're like hey can i get a couple shirts like yeah no no that's stealing yeah exactly well 
what if I buy drinks while I'm at Urban Outfitter? You're like, no, that's not enough. Not enough. You got to have to, you have to buy a ticket too. Yeah. I, me and I was on a, a co-headline with Devo and Blondie and Blondie's LD and I, people would ask for set list and he started and he's like, come back with merch. If you come back with the t-shirt, I'll give you my set list. Ooh. <laughs> people would do it. Look, I bought a shirt. All right, here's your set list. Boom. Yeah. One free set list with every merch purchase. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I, I love that idea. I hated when that went too far. And then you could, uh, I was out with a band and they just started signing set lists. And then they inevitably there would be the band sitting there signing set lists. And you're like, that's, that's not what it's all about. Yeah. You know, just a stack of signed set lists. Yeah. Like that's, you just devalued it. Exactly. Exactly. You just made it into a factor, a set list factory. That's what yeah. band should be. They should, the set list should be a thing. Yeah. And then it really is just something printed on a piece of paper. Right. Yeah. Whereas uh, actually getting the signature, that's what signatures are cool for. It's actually the process of getting the signature. Yeah. Not just sitting in a, they're sitting at a table waiting for you to come so that you can sign it. I never, I don't understand fan mentality sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I got, I remember when I was a kid going to shows all the time, I got a couple of autographs because I happened to be walking past the bus to get into the front door and they stepped out. I was like, Oh my God, you're blah, blah, blah from blah, blah, blah. Will you sign anything, you know? And yeah, here you go. To me, that's, that's a, that's an autograph. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. That's a moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When you are working for the big pans, let's say the Van Halens and the Black Keys and stuff, does it ever change your your state of mind when you're working for the smaller bands? Uh, does that are you uh, are you invested in the the size of your band? No, not really. And I seem to have my career has just been ebb and flow, sine wave of. Odd years, I'm in an arena. Even years, I'm in clubs. And I kind of like it. I like it both ways. At, you know, at you know, by the at the time I'm at at the end of a club tour, and I've got the next arena tour on the horizon, I'm like, oh my god, I cannot wait to get back to real catering and you know having a crew and all that stuff. But then at the end of the arena tour, I'm like, I'm so so tired of Groundhog Day. Every day is exactly the same, and I cannot wait to get to clubs where it's going to be different every day. And I've got my twelve lights, and I'm doing it all myself. And you know, it's just you know, the, the I like both of them. You know, and then either way, I feel like my goal is to put as much effort into the arena show as it is the club show. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I have uh, grass is greener on the other side, itis. Like no matter yeah. what I'm doing, I want to be doing something different. Yeah, I'm getting better in my old age with, with dealing with that, but it used to be, it used to really tax me. Yeah, yeah. It's I get tired of, oh my God, I've got seven people on my lighting crew. I can barely even flip my console myself. I am so tired of this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even pull these white gloves off. It's so <laughs> difficult. So I'm unloading the, the trailer behind the truck and having to move all the back line out of the way to get my six lights. 
<laughs> yeah, that is a, that is an eternal struggle for us. I, I think it's more widespread than people let on. That uh, really, because I, I feel like I'm the only jackass out there that's you know that's like that. I I don't know how people used to do it. They used to people used to just find their profession or their one niche and then just stay in that for 20 years. That's how, that's how my parents survived, you know, 25 yeah. years, collect a pension and then you retire. Yeah. Boy, I'd like to be collecting my pension right now after 25, 25 plus years of doing this. <laughs> no pension here, man. No. I still got another 25 years to hopefully have something so that I can stop working. No, I think uh, I think you and I came up with the best plan possible to just work until we die. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, luckily, we love our jobs. I, you know, every day that I am down about my job, I have to remind myself I would kill for this job years ago. You know, yeah. there's people out there that want this job. Mm-hmm. Course, I can never find them when I'm looking for an LD to cover a show for me, but there are people out there that want this job. Of all the people who would kill for my job, I really just need one of them right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the $1,500 a week range. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 12 would be better. <laughs> and uh, that's, I am the worst at putting my just getting attached to a job and like getting emotional to, I don't care what this is going to pay. I really want to do this. And I'm bad at, you know, like I, I should be charging more, but I know that this is their budget and I just gotta, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. It's, you know, for the art of it on, on the smaller shows. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh and, but, and then you get into that boat where because you did that, I need somebody to fill in for me so I can go back to the big show. And I can't because it's like I shot myself in the foot by saying I would do it for their budget. And I cannot find a single person to do it in that budget. Then you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've had that come up. I, I really had to like try and find a way to find somebody to do a gig. And but the money just wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, That's a tough one. And then I've also had friends of mine that tell me, oh, you know what? I really I'm tired of being a, a crew guy. I want I'm tired of being a tech. I want to be an LD. I really, really want that. I'm like, OK, well, here's your chance. I got a gig. It doesn't pay a lot, but it puts you in that position, puts you in that next thing. And, you know, my dues were paid by I took a big cut myself when I went from being a tech to being an LD because beginning LD gigs pay less than tech gigs on big tours. And mm -hmm. it's like, dude, do you really want this? Cause I really feel like it's an investment in your future. You're going to go back a little bit, but you'll get back up there if you pursue it. Because, you know, the, the, the arena bands have more money to pay crew guys than the club guys do to pay designers. Mm -hmm. that's probably one of the toughest parts of transitioning into a programmer role is going from the top of 
the crew pay rate to the bottom of the director programmer pay rate. Yeah. Like why would I, why would I take a pay cut? Well, yeah. because the top of the programmer pay rate is much better. Mm-hmm. That's come up a few times where it's just like, wow, people in that role make how much is that? Is this viable? And then you, you kind of realize, well, I, I, you gotta, you gotta wait a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, it sounds like you're doing a very good job of keeping yourself very mentally fit and stable. And even during the isolation period, it sounds like you're doing quite well. Uh, it looks like you're in a good place to, to attack when the industry comes back. Well, that's my plan. I think I'm now at the point where I, those things on my list, you know, when this thing first hit and I had that big list, I think I just needed to, I just needed to check out. I just needed to not look at my emails. I just needed to not know what's going on or what wasn't going on. I just needed to check out and do things around the house and hang out with the kids and like, I, you know, all that stuff that people do. And I'm ready to start, you know, programming again. I'm ready to start uh, working on temp- programming templates so that I can, you know, so I'm ready. Uh, you know, I'm ready to redo my website. Uh, you know, all that stuff that I need to get done. Cool, man. Well, welcome back to our industry <laughs> that's still still shut down. <laughs> I could probably still check out for a little bit longer, but <laughs> yeah, let's get it. Let's I'm ready. I'm ready. And you know, and it, it pains me when I see press on what few events that are going on. I'm like, why, why didn't anybody call me? What, what's going on? And did everybody forget about me? I'm here. I'll do that. You know, but you know, there's just, isn't anything going on. Yeah, you were checked out at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the few people that I've talked to that are doing stuff are just making phone calls constantly. They're really, yeah. really hitting it, and they're in. They're not out in Kansas City or up in Windsor, Ontario. They're in the, well, the thick of it, man. You're like, man, that is good on you. Yeah, you know I, that's the thing is if I lived in L.A. or New York or Nashville, I probably would be doing something, but I don't, and. Mm-hmm my family doesn't want to move to one of those places. So here I am and I'm okay with that. We, we have to be okay with it. I mean, I'm in Windsor, Ontario, a town of, or I'm outside Windsor in Stony Point, a town of 600, you know, it's, it's, you know, I couldn't be farther removed. And, you know, when we're, when we get to a certain level, we have that luxury yeah. until our industry shuts down and then it's, <laughs> it's not a luxury anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, that is the end of the, we are all out of time. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I'm, I'm so glad to see that you're doing, you're doing well. Yeah, you too, Chris. It's good uh, seeing a face. <laughs>